The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing, Chantel? I'm good. I'm really excited for this episode. Yeah, me too. We got Rashid back. Yeah. And uh, we talked to him about Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month. Last episode. Last episode. And we're going to talk to him uh, about a more personal journey of his. Hi, everybody. I'm Lisa. And I'm Chantel. And this is Gut and Glory. Uh, Rashid was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2008, mm-hmm. um, and he spent a couple of years in remission, you know, through taking different medications, um, but then things started to go downhill. Um, he was on a series of treatments. He even tried to, you know, including, he tried to change his diet, um, but unfortunately, all of the things that he was trying, including the medications, just wasn't working for him. Um, so Rashid, that takes us to what you went through in 2013. So tell us about that. So that was a total colectomy in 2013. So as you mentioned, I tried a number of different treatments, both uh, pharmaceutical as well as alternative and a number of diet changes as well. Nothing really did the job for getting my ulcerative colitis under control. So it was 2013 where I had the colon and rectum removed. And I was just going to say, explain to our listeners yeah, what is total colectomy. So total colectomy. Yeah. So the for my, in my case of uh, ulcerative colitis, I had uh, what's called pancolitis. So the entire colon was uh, inflamed, and uh, as a result, you know, the, all the various treatments really weren't getting the job done. So at that point, uh, just decided I really want this thing out of me. I just I've, I I'd had enough, so I uh, had surgery to remove the entire colon as well as the rectum. So the entire colon, for those who are confused, that's the large, large intestine. intestine. So yeah. that's the big part that goes up the left side, across the top, down the right. It's not all the jumbles in the middle. It's, it's not, the, bottom. Squiggly, not yeah, the squiggly, it's not the squiggly lower. in the middle. Yeah. That's your small intestine. Yeah. So. It's, it's the big one. So you it's had that one. completely removed. Entirely removed. Was this an emergency surgery? Was this a choice? This like, was an elective. trying and This was working? an elective surgery. Okay. So uh, I still technically had a few treatment options on the table, but really at that point I had just You've become... You've been struggling for too long. Been, and I was just I was so sick of the up and down of getting like a little bit of hope like oh this treatment will help and then a couple of weeks or months later it didn't Can and you it, was just, to it was just back yeah. and forth yeah. back and forth and eventually for me steroids prednisone was the only thing that really got my and that's not condition a under control. and that was not a long-term solution right. we know I, it well yes yes yeah. I mean I face I think I had been kind of off and on steroids for maybe two years before the surgery. Right. Uh, so, you know, like certain treatments came in and then faded and then other ones right. came in and yep. faded, but the So even having that background worked. information that you've been on steroids now on and off for two years and you're still in the space that you were in at yes. that point. So, and you were supported by your GI doctors with this surgery. Oh, yes, very much so, okay. very much so. Um, I had a, a very good gastroenterologist and he referred me to Mount Sinai Hospital where I had my total collective. Shout out Matane, that's my place. Yep. Absolutely wonderful place, wonderful place. That being said, my first surgery didn't go well. Uh, so I had a number of complications from that first surgery because, you know, surgeons are human like anyone else. Of like, course. You know, and, and this is a big, it's a big procedure. It was a, a four-hour surgery. They have the, the colon removed. Uh, they actually form the pelvic pouch at the time, uh, sometimes called a J pouch. And as well, they created a temporary ileostomy. So, uh, so po- hey, let's back up, go over this terminology for sure. some people. 
let's talk about what is a J pouch slash pelvic pouch. How is this formed? Where is it in your in your body? Okay, so if you imagine the small intestine is then connected to the large intestine, large intestines eventually hooked up to the anus. So now when you have the large intestine removed, mm -hmm. you have the end of the small intestine just kind of hanging out there. Which is basically your ileum, right? Or is that your duodenum? Is that the duodenum? I think it's, it's the, the ileum. It's the ileum that's right there, I think. The end point of the small intestine would be the ileum, I believe. The ileum? But don't yeah. quote me on that. Well, don't quote any of us. It's that end part. So it's, right yeah. at that end part is dangling, so they have to form something So there. what they basically do is they take that end part of the small intestine and kind of turn it back onto itself. Right. And so if you imagine like the letter J, uh, that's kind of where the, the term J pouch comes from. So the end of the small intestine is kind of looped back up onto itself. Right. And that little bit of small intestine looped onto itself forms the pelvic pouch or J pouch. And that then functions as a new large intestine. That in helps sense, to form the stool. It helps to form and hold the stool right. uh, until it's ready to be Disposed, disposed of. of. Yeah. Okay. And so that, that J pouch is then connected to the anus. And so the J pouch holds waste until it's ready to be removed and then everything will get So taken but you didn't go straight from a J pouch, like being able to have internal J pouch and full function of your anus again. So you had right. to have so, a temporary ileostomy. So I have the temporary il ileostomy. Right. Uh, I, I feel like it is like technically possible for some people to get the J pouch kind of in one shot surgery, but that doesn't seem to be recommended. So what part of your intestines was used for the ileostomy then? So a high, so further right? up, yeah, because, so yeah, so yeah. further up the uh, small intestine that was taken out. So of they made another abdominal, cut. Yeah, that was taken out of my abdo abdominal wall to form the ostomy. And so I had, and that was just done to kind of give the pelvic pouch a chance to heal. heal. And, you know, you don't want to go straight from like no colon, or sorry, straight from a diseased colon to a pelvic pouch right away. Like that just seems like a, going a little bit too fast, too quickly. Right. Uh, so I had the ileostomy for about nine months. The plan was to have it for about three months, but like I said, a number of complications from the first surgery. So the ostomy was a little bit longer than expected, but then I had my second surgery in 2014 and that was to reverse the ileostomy. So essentially to take the stoma back inside, yeah. attach it to the J pouch and so then, that you could start. And then get the J pouch kind of like up and running. So everything okay. uh, going through the GI tract would then go into the J pouch. Until ready to be disposed of. Until ready to be disposed of, yeah. Right. So two surgeries. Two surgeries, about nine months apart. How was your life between that nine months? How was your life adjusting with the colon? Like, how did you feel, So it was, it was difficult. Yeah. Uh, and that was in part because the first surgery did have a number of complications. One right. of the, the big ones was that where the J pouch was uh, connected to the anus, there wasn't a really good connection, so there was a leak. Mm. And that caused uh, an abscess to form. And which that, needed to be drained. Which needed to be drained. So before I could leave the hospital, uh, I had something called a, a percutaneous tube mm -hmm. put in. So that was a tube that basically went in through my butt cheek, went down into the abscess. And wow, then, so they didn't even go through like the anus essentially? No, they, wow. they, they went like through the, the actual... I guess closer. Yeah, like, right. so they went through the, the, the flesh of the buttocks and then that uh, tube went into the abscess, came, the tube came out. To drain it. To drain it. And so I had a collection bag that I would wear on my thigh. And that's where the- And you had an ostomy. And I had an ostomy. So you had and a lot I of had, hardware. And I had a wound 
from the right, surgery as well. Course, yeah. Uh, so I had, uh, like, I was kind of expecting to leave the hospital with, like, one thing <laughs> on me, and then I left with, like, three things on me. Uh, so the wound needed uh, care as well for of several course. months, and the abscess, again, I had the drainage bag uh, for about four months. Now, was your surgery done laparoscopically, or did yeah, you have an incision? What size was the wound? It was, it was open, so it okay. wasn't a, a laparoscopic surgery. And the wound was... Uh, I'm trying to think of like something to reference it with. Uh, if you imagine like say half a business card. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Half? That's it? Yeah, like half a business oh, card that's... size, like that, 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 that sort of uh, length and width, that was the size of the wound. Oh, um, that's smaller than I would have thought. Yeah. And, I'm thinking like they're pulling out yeah. your colon. Like, right. Well, I mean, you the, know? The, so, so the wound just came from like right uh, where the, I guess the bottom of the opening uh, for the surgery right. would have done. Right. So like a little, just a little bit below the waist is where the right. where the where the wound uh, occurred, and so that took a few months to heal, and I still have of the course. very visible scar from that. Right. Um, but uh, things eventually got better after that second surgery. But uh, the time in between was was very difficult because you know I had lost close to maybe thirty pounds as a result of the the hospitalization, and so when I came out of hospital, I was very I was weak. Um, I, I used to be quite active, and so even like going for a walk to the end of the block was was exhausting. I mean, you've lost all that and weight; your body is not healing yeah. as it is. And, and on top of that, I'm, I'm walking with my ostomy, with my drainage bag. With How long did the, you have the, the drainage bag? Four months. Oh my god! Wow. So that's that, that, that was. This that, is not like a three week thing. No. No, and, and I think just having all of these things wrong with me. Uh, you know, made me feel very strange when I left the hospital. It was almost as though, you know, I was kind of being treated like a car, like like something's yeah. wrong with you. So we'll just we'll we'll, we'll jam this this rod in yeah. here, and we'll we'll jam this tube in there, and then like it, it felt almost you were like Jimmy I was, rigged. I felt you like were I was Jimmy a, rigged. Yeah, I was I was more of a machine that was being repaired. You yeah, know, it's interesting with ha having Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. I often feel like a foreign entity inside of this body. Yeah. And I can't imagine what it would feel like to have, as you said, like, you know, this, like having a, having an ostomy, having a drainage bag, having an incision, like how that would make you feel even more foreign in a space that is yours. You know, my point of reference is that I had an ileocolic resection and I had, uh, the drainage, you know, the stoma mm -hmm. to, to drain it. When they were changing it, they shortened, they keep pulling it out and shortening it and shortening it. They left it far too short. Mm -hmm. And so the end was catching on the inside and I could feel it and tried to explain it. But nobody, the doctors didn't understand what I was, I was right. a child, you know, okay. trying to wow. describe it. And uh, it, it's just even that, the idea of that little bit of something. Like, there's not even is, anything I can And I can can't really... imagine how much more you were dealing with. I th yeah, I think the, the the drainage tube was the big thing that uh, that was you know very foreign Especially and, where it's and, and unexpected. Like, yes, yeah, so, so, uh, like... exactly. So sitting was you know again kind of a challenge. I had yeah. to make sure that I had like cushions and, and pads for the most part to, to sit on. But it wasn't it wasn't too disruptive, I guess, in retrospect. But it's just it's, still, it, it's, 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 it's an oddity, right? It's and, and very then, and then you know when you think about unusual. just even even lying down to sleep, like I have to make sure that I'm not like on lying side, on right? any of the bag because I have like multiple oh bags my gosh, on me now. Yeah, how do you find a way to sleep? Just back and oh <laughs> my god <laughs> i'm propped exactly. up yeah. with cushions i don't exactly. even know how to relate back. this to people who you know don't have like i spent my childhood broken i was in casts repeatedly and i feel like you know i broke my leg and i was in a cast for my leg and yeah. if you've ever broken your leg and that annoyance and that having to like everything becomes more difficult and everything has to be calculated like how am i going to shower and how do i sit and how do i move and i need to go to the kitchen and get this how do i
I feel like that's a, a small fraction of what it must feel like but you raise to a good have that. But you raise a good point about the, the calculation involved. And I think that, that that certainly came into play when I was recovering because, again, everything had to be kind of thought out. Yeah. Uh, also, in part, because of the fact that I had a, an ostomy for the first yep. time. So you can't just go back to whatever, like, your normal diet would be. You're you know, adjusting. You're yeah. adjusting, right? And uh, in order to get the output of the ostomy to be, you know, of a certain consistency so it's not as watery, you have to eat certain things eat smaller meals over the course of the day. So it's like, it, it's a change in, in your overall lifestyle. Uh, but the fact that you had to think about all of those decisions, I think, you know, in retrospect now, it was probably helpful because that's what kind of got you through the day. It prepared days. you. Yeah. Exactly. Because now you're, you're focused on, okay, I have to eat this meal at this time and it can be this, only these kind of foods. And when you're thinking about all of those little things, that maybe helps get your mind off the fact that kind of big things of, you know, right. there's, there's an abscess You're not sitting and thinking me. about what's happening Exactly. You. You're moving right. forward. You're moving yep. forward. You're doing what you can to recover. Yep. And I think one of the biggest challenges I had immediately after surgery was just this feeling of regret, thinking, okay, this surgery is going to help me, and I'm going to be in better shape now, and I'm leaving hospital with all these things wrong with me. Like, that was a smart decision. It didn't feel like it was a, right. it was the right thing for me at the time. We also too, I think when you're in such dire situations and in dire need and in so much pain, you, you, you need that immediate satisfaction and you hope that something that yeah. you do will give you the immediate. Yeah. Like I've felt like that when they've changed my medication where I'm hopeful that this medication is going to make me better. Well, you too, you're and then listening I take it, to them describe yeah, what I'm it like, does yes. and how it works and it's, you're buying into it and And then you take you it, it and I'm, I'm a weekend and I'm like, there's no difference no difference you know like i want like it should happen faster like yeah and so, it's hard to tell our brains to be patient be patient you know? so let me ask you that time that you said that was nine months mm -hmm. must have been you weren't working what did you go through you? emotionally in that time so so first of all i was not working at the time uh i had just uh, actually left a, a previous job of mine before i had the surgery just because you knew I, well i i didn't necessarily know that all this stuff was going to go wrong but uh, i kind of sort of reached the end of my time with that you, particular you, job you weren't so, looking forward to going yeah, back yeah I, I was uh, i was just i wanted to focus on on, on getting my health under control right. and so uh, that that period of time that 9 months between surgeries again like m from a mental health side of things it was it was very exhausting because again there was that first uh, idea that like this is going to really help and I'm right. going to feel a lot better and all of a sudden there's so all these things are wrong. over that not yeah. being as you thought. I, I think a feeling of uh, like I made a mistake. Like, yeah. like this was maybe not Regret. the best decision. Which you would have put on yourself. Exactly. Too. Which because it's again because I, because I because I chose to have the That's surgery, right? right? Like yeah. this was my decision. I had other options but I chose this one. You right? didn't choose to be sick but you chose the surgery. Yes. And you know in the time in that space when all these things are going wrong it's easy to make that that mindset, yep. but at the same time, you're not necessarily thinking down the road things are going to get better. Eventually, things did. When you're of in course, a dark place, you're just in, dealing with exactly. it. In it's that, so in that hard, hard time, to look ahead when you can't look at somebody who's in the worst position that they could be in and be like, "Don't worry, in the long run, it'll be better." Damn it! Yeah, I'm like, living now. now. Well, this <laughs> is why like right now. this is why we so, call yeah. them IBD warriors because yeah. you know we know that it, so much of the existence of living with IBD is living in a dark place. And a day-to-day -day you know, And having to rally yeah. yourself all the time to keep moving forward and go yeah. look for your own, unfortunately, advocate and look for your own. I mean, Chantelle is living proof for me. She just doesn't stop and hasn't quite yet found the solution, no. you know? So. And one of the big challenges for me was uh, thinking back 
at better times. Yes. When I remembered when I was well. Of when course. When I remembered when I was doing you would have more still things, had when I was memory. capable. Yeah, exactly. I don't it, feel, I don't have those memories anymore. I don't remember my life prior. It's been 12 years now that I've been living. You know, I like, because I've, I've spoken to other people who have uh, IBD and again, they have that same, that same kind of mindset. It's like it's for, taken it away. For me though, like I, rem I remember very well. I remember very well. Oh my gosh, the, start writing it down. The, the, the kind of things that I did before. <laughs> And that's what made it so hard mm -hmm. because I remembered, first of all, times where, uh, you know, I had the disease or I, after I'd been diagnosed, but medication was working. And I remembered I was doing pretty much all the normal things except for taking that medication. And I thought, well, like, man, I was better then. Or I go even further back, like before all of this happened, I was better then. So let like, me I could do all of these things and now I can't. Like always thinking about the past was really difficult. That was the you biggest in your nine months? Did, were you going through a checklist of things like, oh, I wish I had done this when I had the time? Or did, was there something that I did that caused this? Well, is there something that, that I did that caused this? That, that will never go away, I think. Yeah. For me. Like I'll always yeah. be curious about what, uh, what led to the development of the disease to begin sure. with. I think that's something that kind of all of us have to deal with in some form or another because we don't know what's behind the disease. And that's funny because that is different from saying, like, looking for the reason that it happens. There's actual... Uh, thing I think we all go through, which is personal, like yeah. believing that we have somehow yes, done something, exactly. come in contact with something, or changed our lifestyle in some way that has caused Absolutely. the disease. And the thing is, if we had known, we would have been past, able to. Then we, avoid then we wouldn't have done that. Yep. So I, I think that's the thing that's important for anyone to remember is that you have that feeling of guilt that maybe this is somehow a disease that you caused yourself, but. I mean, you didn't know what it is no. that you did, and no. I think that if you had known, then you probably wouldn't have done. X, Y, Z, whatever it may have been. That's a great reason to uh, to reach out and find a local support group near you because they don't live with that. In yeah, your you alone. you got to talk oh to other gosh. people if you're feeling that you are responsible for causing. That is all condition. consuming. Yeah, absolutely. And and I had a very very good family doctor at the time who recognized that I was going through like a really difficult time with your mental health. With my mental with my mental and physical health because yeah. it was clear that you know that, that a lot of Stuff, like, like a lot of bad stuffs happened like yeah. in the last uh, in the last short amount of time, and so he recommended that uh, I go to a mindfulness based stress reduction workshop. Fantastic, uh, which was luckily <gasps> run through through my 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 local clinic, and so I had a great family doctor and a great support system in place with that uh, mindfulness meditation workshop, and I was able to get you know a quick referral to it, and I started it. It was about an eight week program. And it was incredibly beneficial. And you at stuck the time. it out the whole eight weeks. Of course, amazing. It was. It was. It was. It's not hard it was to stick out. Amazing. Yeah. It, it's. It's not hard to stick out. It's hard. Again, when you go in with the kind of expectation of like, oh, like meditation. Oh, I'll do this and I'll feel better. Yeah. Right. After one session, and it's like right. medication. Like I'll take this pill and we, I'll feel better we want immediately. The yeah. You want immediacy, yeah. and and obviously that's not the case. It's it, the difference be, for anyone who's never tried it. The difference between meditation and medication is that. Medication is something to treat an issue. Uh, meditation is something that begins addressing uh, holistically, holistically yeah. problems. It, and they may not specifically be the ones you think you have yes. either. And yeah. I, I think I've been very much the beneficiary of that training because you know even when things got better with a lot of the other physical problems, there's always going to be bad things that happen in life. Yeah. Like, like there's, that's, that's a guarantee, guarantee. So having those coping mechanisms has been helpful just even after things got better in terms of the the surgeries and uh, the complications. Yep. Okay, so you've been living with your pelvic pouch now since 2014. Mm -hmm. um, how are you feeling now? So this has been four years. How how do you feel? I feel good. I feel good. And Are I'm, you where I'm very... you wanted to be? 
Not yet. Okay. I'm not where I want it to be. I'm not uh, necessarily where I want to be right now, uh, but I'm still in a much better place. And compared to what life was like with Active UC, like yeah. it's 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 a it's night and day difference. It, it's 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 infinitely better. So pause right there. You didn't make the wrong decision. Yes. <laughs> you made the right decision. Yes. So that time you spent in hell, gone. That's gone. <laughs> not 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 to be too dour, but here's the thing. At this moment in time, I can say, yeah, that was a good decision. Right. But if things go bad again, then you can get into that mindset. Of course, again. of course. So Thank it's, you it's, for it's saying that. It's more a matter of just you know, like taking things as they come. Yeah, and, and that's being, where the mindfulness yes, comes in. Absolutely. Uh, but right now, I do feel like I'm in a much better place, certainly compared physically to, and mentally. Physically and mentally. Okay. Um, and I'm not, you know, like just oh wow, UC's gone. Everything is brilliant sure. now. And and living with a pelvic pouch <laughs> comes with a whole new set of uh, lifestyle changes. The main one being the bathroom trips. So where a normal person may be going one or two times a day, I'm looking at six or seven. Because of the J-Pouch. Because of the J-Pouch. Because it doesn't hold it as much as the whole much. cool Exactly, wood, right? exactly. Okay. Uh, and we're talking about more more watery stools, looser stools. and so Because the colon's not there to absorb Absorb the water. So right. I have to make sure my water intake is, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit higher up. And I still will use the bathroom more often than the average person would. Um, aside from that, life is more or less like a normie. Uh, I guess. A, <laughs> a regular. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Normie. Normie. <laughs> Love it. And, and, and I'm still able to, you know, to work and, and uh, you know, I try to exercise where I, as much as I can. Um, and running is a big part of me. That was a, a huge thing that, uh, that I wanted to, to get back to when, I, when things got better. That's great. So something interesting about Rashid, uh, he wrote a book. I did I've read, read I did some. Read a book. I've sort of read some of those. So, I know about books. <laughs> three tablets twice daily. Yes. I feel like this is like the Solifalk or the Pentassa or the something along those lines. It was, five essays. Like it, 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 <laughs> yes, it was a five essay. <laughs> exactly. uh, that, that, that was that was the first uh, that was the first medication that I was prescribed. Yeah, uh, after, which is often, after I was diagnosed, yeah. which is yeah, kind of like standard step therapy, right? Yeah. And so I wrote the book in my last year at university. This is before your surgery. This I is think. before the surgery, yeah. yeah. So this was uh, maybe a couple of, yeah, about three or so years after the diagnosis. And one of the things I always had a hard time dealing with around the time of diagnosis was that I had never heard of Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis Neither did I when until, I, was I, diagnosed. until I, was I started like, showing symptoms. And then I did my, my you know, web, my WebMD. It was WebMD for me. Well, that's and way better than Google. I don't know, man. <laughs> way better. Because he's the doctor of the internet. It's the doctor of the internet, and he will diagnose you with cancer, no matter what, <laughs> no matter <laughs> what <laughs> symptoms you put in. Uh, Google so, said that you have a, my hypnosis is bleeding. You're having a stroke. Exactly, exactly, oh, I have a exactly. headache, subdural hematoma. <laughs> I, I have a hangnail. You have cancer now. Uh, so, so for me, like, I, I only heard about these diseases when I started exhibiting symptoms. Right. And I found it really bizarre that this very ravaging disease that causes like horrible symptoms and really disrupts life, no one really knows anything about it or like it's there's not a whole lot of public understanding about it. And I didn't want to have to then have to explain to people, okay, here's all that I'm dealing with. And here's so what here's what he life is like. So I wrote a book because I'm I'm better with like writing things down and handing it so to someone than actually talking. Whenever anybody asks, she will just be like, "Here's my book." Here's my book. <laughs> like, this is all that I have to deal with. <laughs> um, and it, it worked out well because I was in a professional writing program uh, at the University of Toronto, Mississauga, and you know a few students every year get to publish a collection of their work, whatever they whatever they choose. So I wanted to make it uh, IBD and, and UC focused so that uh, other people could maybe get a better understanding of what life was like rather than from a very clinical perspective like it causes these symptoms it's more like here are stories about my life and how difficult it can be because of the disease so it's a it. it's a collection of it's stories. a collection of short stories nice. where can they get your book where can people get your book you need to read 
Rashid's <laughs> book, people. So I've had a number of print runs of the book and uh, been kind of fortunate to have sold out of those print runs. So Absolutely. The, the, That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, and a portion of the proceeds from all those book sales went to Crohn's and Colitis Excellent. Canada. Excellent. Uh, the next thing I'm looking to do now, just because printing is a little bit prohibitive, is to make it a proper ebook and just make it available for all. For the so, Kindles and the Kobos? Yes, exactly. That's it. And the iPads and the all everything else. Because um, kids like their... Screens so can they access that from your website? So right now on my website, I have uh, one chapter or one uh, excerpt from the book that's on my site. Uh, soon I'll try to get more of that up on, and eventually want to have a full ebook ready so that it's uh, available at any given moment. By the way, Rashid's website is www.rashidclark.com, R-A-S-H-E-E-D-C-L-A-R-K-E. Com. Important difference because there's another author named Rashid Clark. How dare he? Spelled, spelled, spelled C L A R K. And if you Google him, no, put the e his, at the end. His, his literature is very different from mine. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, some very interesting African American erotica. I was going to so, say it's definitely related so to sex. I can't believe I haven't come it's, across it's, him it's, yet. It's different from from my talk about going to the bathroom. Okay. So, <laughs> The E on, on my last name makes it a huge difference. The E has never been so important. It's never so been if, so you're, important. <laughs> if you're checking out Rashid's website with your mom, just make sure. So Rashid is also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Rashid Clark with the E yes. is what we're looking for here. Um, I know Rashid, you had talked about, um, you know, I know, you were active before and you are definitely an active person now you know not only do you like writing and design but you like soccer and running mm -hmm. which tell us about what's going on with this with this running the running tell thing. us about the running it. thing so the running thing to go back a little bit uh, in 2007 i was living in halifax and i was training for the blue nose half marathon there which would have been uh, my first half marathon i was training for it feeling good uh, kind of like you know going up different uh, distances more and more kilometers each time and then i couldn't stop going to the bathroom that's when all the uc Ooh, symptoms you're not running hit. anymore and so i was running to the bathroom and i was still <laughs> from bathroom from to bathroom, bathroom to bathroom and in fact you know again hard-headed me i was trying to run even though like clearly my body was telling me this is not yeah. a good idea and again lots of blood in every bowel movement mm -hmm. uh, i would eat something and immediately go to the bathroom uh, i eventually had to pull out of that uh that half marathon because i just wasn't in in any condition to do it uh, Fast forward about 10 years later, I ran my first half marathon eventually uh, at the Mississauga post-surgery post -surgery mm -hmm. with pelvic pouch, uh, and that would have been in 2017, and I did it with a team called Guts to Run, which raises funds for Crohn's and Colitis Canada, and a number of people who are on the team either have IBD or they have uh, a child with IBD or, or someone that they, connection someone connect. Yeah, they're, they're all connected to the cause in some way or another. So we raise funds. We run in the Mississauga Marathon, the 2, 5, 10, half, and full. Uh, all the race distances are covered by different members of our team. And I was really happy and lucky to do the, uh, my very first and so far only half marathon <laughs> with uh, with the team in Mississauga. Wow, that's fantastic. I have to say there's some really great action shots of Rashid 
doing the guts to run oh, in yeah? 2017. There's some good action shots and a lot of other really bad action shots that will not see the it's light of day. It's all good though. It's all good. So it's on hard to Facebook, get, it's hard to get good photos of you running. Like you, nobody most, looks most good of them running. Look terrible. Yeah. Nobody looks good. And running. I'm no Even exception. when you try to fake run, you know those people who be like, "Get me run." You know, you're not you're not running. I know you're standing still. <laughs> like with this ridiculous movie, look Oh, on I your know. Face. I've seen it. There's one on the TDSB website yeah. where it's a child playing and the child is doing this. This raising one knee. Good. I'm going to lift my leg. Motioning. Put a hand Universal up. I'm running pose. Yeah. So on Facebook, if you go to Guts to Run, mm -hmm. so uh, G-U-T-S-T-O-R-U-N, mm -hmm. um, you can sponsor so right, your fundraising, right? right? So right now we are getting things set up for the 2019 Mississauga Marathon and, and the race weekend, which will be the first weekend in May. Uh, we're looking for people to join us as runners, and of course we're more than happy to have people contribute. And it's a half contribute. marathon. It's either a 2K, 5K, 10k half or full your your choice it's whatever, whatever you want to do whatever you want it? to you can walk you can it walk and it. you can walk it uh, it's a lovely it, 2k stroll it's right? whatever whatever you want to yep. whatever you want to do however you want to get involved we're happy to have runners of all abilities ages size types whatever you want yep. uh, everyone's welcome bring your strollers bring, yeah bring your just come and lace up with us and, and do it for a good cause. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to get more people involved and also to have more sponsorship and, and fundraising uh, or donation opportunities from other people who may not be able to take part in the run themselves. So, Rashid, clearly you are like an extremely positive person who is dealing with yeah. your... Listen, dealing with your disease head on and, and being involved as an employee with Crohn's and Colitis Canada and still volunteering with Crohn's and Colitis Canada and then doing things like Guts to Run and writing a book. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. You're definitely doing everything that you can to be an advocate for people with IBD, you know, and I can say that I'm super grateful for that as somebody living with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Do you, th just before we, you know, you go, is there any silver linings that have come out of having UC? Which is, for some people, I'd be like, hell no, like yeah. to hell with this disease. But truly, I think once you've, I know that once I've come to accept myself for the way that it is, there are some silver linings for, my, for me that I've taken from it. There has to be some for you based on all of the reflection you've done. I think the biggest thing that I can look at as a silver lining is just frankly people the people that i've met as a result of having the disease uh i think has been the biggest silver lining for me like obviously just you two here today uh all the people who are involved as as volunteers with the the peel region chapter of crohn's and colitis canada but especially just from the internet and being on twitter and uh having put a lot of my work and my you know blogs out there i was able to make connections with other people who have ibd from various parts of the world and I've been lucky enough to meet some of them in person in, uh, in in different places and it's just that immediate understanding that immediate kind of friendship that forms from people who get it finding your tribe exactly yeah. exactly and I think uh, I've met just some incredible people and you know they're like outside of IBD like these are people without IBD you wouldn't have met them and they're so awesome so you're glad you met them. It, it's both people who don't have IBD and people yeah. who have IBD you know just, just very good people and and you know the, the folks who I've met who are just you know they're I've met really great writers great uh, illustrators and they happen to have IBD they're not you know like oh we have Crohn's or colitis so we all get along like they're just genuinely <laughs> good at the things that they do they're good-hearted people and, yeah. and 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 so many of them are like all of us, the three of us anyway here, working towards the greater good and the greater cause of like you know, making things better for yeah. people who live with IBD. So that's been the biggest silver lining, I think, uh, is just making those connections with other people. Rashid, I, what I take away from your story is the mindfulness aspect and how it has affected where you are right now. Like you, 
it, it seems to me if you're to write your second book, I don't want to suggest what it's going to be about. Your second book, you know, just like. And if you were considering a dedication, I, I you know, <laughs> I'm certainly not. To Chantal anyway. and Lisa. <laughs> I digress. Um, but that more. time in, uh, that time where you, it, it's almost, seems to me almost like a transition from the way it was before to moving in this new direction. And, and you talked about that, about moving forward. I'd love to see you, you know, mine that time for really what came out of this journey for you, you know, and, and. And um, my journey has been humbling for me. Yeah. And I think it's important for people listening. If you are in the middle of a flare to remember, you can be in a dark place and it Absolutely. doesn't necessarily that's not the end of your story. It's not permanent. You know? It's not permanent. That's the important thing, I think, for a lot of people to remember is that, you know, things can and do get better. They do. They it's will. Just, it, it's hard to, to see that sometimes when you're really yeah. in the midst of a really bad. This yeah. could be a page place. in your book or it could be a whole chapter in your book, you know, depending on how long it lasts. But. There's more. Yeah. Yes. There's always more. And, yeah. uh, you know, from the mindfulness uh, courses that I took, I think uh, one of the biggest things that came out of it was just trying to embrace, and, and this is difficult, the feeling of gratitude. Yes. And that is particularly difficult when you're going through a bad time because you don't want to necessarily think, oh, well, you know, I actually have all these good things. And actually, there are a lot of people who have it worse than me. But, you know, having things that you can feel grateful for is very beneficial. And trying to think of that uh, every day can be beneficial over time and I will be the first to admit it's not easy no especially no. in those really bad times we are not uh, we are not we don't deal as, as people well as a society no. change is difficult for all of us mm -hmm. so even just the burden of that you may feel is a burden of living your life in a certain direction then having your momentum come to a stop it can be very challenging but there is always something for yeah. you to pick up on in that time something for you to learn you know absolutely so rashid thank you for being here yeah. again today um and with that we end with our strength and positive thoughts until next time peace out everyone guts and glory is produced by bang albino inc a full service creative agency 